Welcome to the Word of Life Ministry Wednesday night Bible study via conference call. I am your host, Elder Lorraine Hopkins. Our church is located at 1600 Conley Road in Conley, Georgia, 30288. We invite you to take advantage of our food pantry services on Thursdays between the hours of 10 a.m. and 12 noon and on Saturdays between the hours of noon and 2 p.m. Our weekly conference calls provide a platform for our supporting ministerial staff to share a message of hope and life with the people of God in relation to our church's monthly topic of study. We hope that you enjoy today's service and find something in it that resonates within your heart and drives your love and passion towards our Savior. We also hope that this message enhances your knowledge of God's word and your personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. So sit back, relax, take plenty of notes and enjoy the word. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless. Praise the Lord. I give honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank God Almighty for another opportunity, another new year to glorify him and to praise him and to serve him. We thank God Almighty for our senior pastor, Elder Dr. Shelley D. Boone II, to all of the elders, the ministers, the deacons, the auxiliaries, all of uh, God's children, the entire congregation, our visitors, our family members and friends, I uh, salute you and I just want you to know that I esteem you highly. Uh, It is so good to be able to say a few words on behalf of our Lord and Savior to speak what thus said the Lord. it's, it's, it's just a tremendous honor. Um, we're going to go to our key scripture, which is found in uh, the book of Second Corinthians chapter 4, and I would like to put in your hearing uh, verses one, through, 1 and 2. Uh, the book of Second Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 4, it says, Therefore, Then we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come giving you honor. We give you glory. We come with a heart of thanksgiving. We thank you for an opportunity to assemble ourselves, God, just to hear a word from on high, to receive nourishment for our souls, O Lord. We thank you for your life-giving word, for every bit of it is true, Lord. And, O God, as I uh, speak, a word on your behalf, O oh God, I ask that you decrease me and that you increase in me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. First, I want to 
subject tonight, I would like to use faithful to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Faithful to the ministry of Jesus Christ. I want to put my focus on our, our key um, title for this month, which is concerning the ministry of Jesus Christ. And when we think of ministry, what what the definition? One of the definition in the uh, the the Bible dictionary says. It's an, and for Christianity, it's an activity carried out by Christians, uh, Christians being identified as believers of Jesus Christ. So it's an activity carried out by believers of Jesus Christ to express or spread their faith. Uh, another way of saying it, or uh, prototype, would be carrying out the Great Commission. Now, we know the Great Commission is spoken of throughout uh, the Gospels, uh, I want to use, um, I'm, I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 28, uh, starting at verse 18. It said, and that, that's a part of the Great Commission. You are also find it in Mark, Luke, John, and in Acts. But in uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it reads, and Jesus came to speak unto them, meaning the disciples, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 said, teaching them and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's consolation. That's comfort right there. So this ministry, as it relates to Jesus Christ in, a, in, the, in, 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 in the Christian Gospels, this ministry begins with Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. And it ends in Jerusalem, followed by the Last Supper with, the, with his disciples. We know that Jesus' early ministry um, goes back to Galilee uh, where he was tempted in the desert, and we know that he went around teaching and preaching and recruiting his disciples. As a matter of fact, he commissioned, I mean, he, he uh, recruited the disciples. He commissioned the 12 apostles. Uh, but later in Jesus' ministry, he, he started his final journey to Jerusalem through Judea. Hallelujah. 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 The final ministry in Jerusalem is sometimes called the Passion Week. Uh, and this is where Jesus began his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Uh, the Gospels provide more details about the final ministry of Jesus, uh, more so than any other period, devoting about one-third of the text of the Gospels, that is, to the last week of the life of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I want to present to you tonight that the ministry of Jesus has three aspects. At his first coming, we find him functioning as a prophet, one who represented God to the people. At his second coming, Jesus will reign as king. Presently, he functions as a priest, 
one who is a people's representative to God. Yes, the priest represented the people to God and makes communion possible between God and humanity. Uh, In the book of Hebrews, the Apostle Paul writes, uh, in Hebrews chapter 9, Verse, starting at verse 14, he says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And it says, For this reason he is a mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ is indeed known as the high priest. The Bible speaks of him as being the great high priest. And as our high priest, he is representing those who believe to uh, God our Father. He is the mediator. He's the go-between. My God. The book, the Bible also records, he said, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and humankind, that is, the man Christ Jesus. That's in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. My God. Hallelujah. In uh, the previous chapter, chapter 3 of the Second Corinthians, Paul describes the remarkable covenant that God has made with those who have come to him through their faith by Christ Jesus. The, uh, this new covenant, if you will, it allows mankind, it allows you and it allows me to see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And without Christ, people of God, we must understand clearly that there is a veil that remains between the sin-sick minds of humans and the ability to see God's glory. So until we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, there is a veil that remains over our eyes, my God. And uh, for those that are forgiven, we must understand that through God's grace, that we are forgiven for our sins and that we are freed from the veil by the Spirit of God. And therefore, (laughs) we can look at God's glory with unveiled faces and begin to be transformed into the image of Christ as his glory becomes ours. That's recorded in the Word of God, my God. So, people of God, the question may be asked, and I want to make sure that we're clear on this. Why is there a need for a high priest? We must understand that we approach God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who pleads our case, the case, the case of believers. I'm not talking about non-believers. I'm talking about the case of believers before God the Father. And when we sin, as we all would do, even as born-again believers, even as uh, followers of Christ, we will come short of the glory of God. And when when we do so, we need to be able to repent and turn 
and we need Jesus Christ to plead our case to the Father on our behalf. We can't go straight to the Father on our own good merits. My God, hallelujah. And uh, God's word promises us in 1 John. He says if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And thank God tonight that righteousness has been imputed to us as believers through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to know, we need to know tonight that God hears our prayers because of Jesus. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. He hears our prayers because we have access to the Father by way of Jesus Christ. If we didn't have Jesus Christ, our Lord, my God, our prayers would not be heard. <laughs> and don't get it uh, mixed up, because we also know that Christ is presently in heaven. He's the omnipresent one. He's everywhere. He's in heaven. He speaks to God on our behalf. Apart from, from, from him, we have no spokesman. He intercedes, allowing our prayers to be answered and our sins to be forgiven. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Thank God for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Whatever we need, we have to relate it to the Father by way of the high priest, Jesus Christ. My God, in our scripture tonight, in this book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, the Apostle Paul, he describes himself as, and himself as well as leaders in the church. He says that every follower of Christ should be regarded as servants. My God, a word that is used to describe our relationship with Christ Jesus. We're not master. We are servants of Christ. My God. So if we were to picture a gallery of slaves, my God, we would be on the lower level. My God, but don't don't think bad of that because because of Christ Jesus. All power has been given unto us, my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are servants of Christ, and as servants of Christ, we must also be good stewards of the mystery of, of God. So this, this, this thing is twofold. We're servants of Christ, and we must also be good stewards of the mysteries of God. We must understand that he is the captain of our lives and that we do whatever he says. We go wherever he leads us. We are indeed servants of Christ, and we're stewards of the mysteries of God. And the mysteries of God, there is a reference to the gospel, the cross of Christ, and we are stewards of this gospel. So we have been entrusted with this possession, y'all, a very precious possession. It is one of the most valuable possessions that we have. It is the very gospel of Jesus Christ, my God. Hallelujah. It is an honor and a privilege to be servants of Christ. It is an honor and a privilege to be, to be stewards of the mysteries of God, stewards of the gospel. So one may ask, what is required as servants of God? What is required as stewards of the gospel? My God, 
I'm glad you asked, my God. Hallelujah. First uh, uh, Corinthians uh, chapter four, verse two. It says, uh, it says one thing. It says, as stewards, we should be found to be faithful, my God. We should be found to be faithful to this gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul defends the ministry of God to the Corinthians. He defends it to others. His role, he makes it clear, is to carry the message of the new covenant to people around the world. It is um, uh, simply, I become simply amazed at the opportunity that God presents by way of Jesus Christ for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He insists that is called. He insists that he and his co-laborers have this ministry for why? Not because they're worthy of it, but because it's by God's mercy. In fact, Paul admits that he does not deserve on his own merits to carry something as precious, something as valuable as the gospel of Jesus Christ. My God, and here God has given Paul this job out of his great mercy. We thank God tonight that he doesn't look at us based upon our good works. And we do have good works because of our love for Christ and because we serve him in spirit and in truth. That's why. But we don't have good works simply because we want to get some favor from God. God is full of grace. He's full of mercy. And we thank him that he has entrusted us, every one of us, my God, has something to say. Many of us are living testimonies that we can share our testimonies with others. We know that we overcome the adversary by the words of our testimony and by the blood of the land, of the lamb, that is. We uh, 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 understand that uh, through this teaching that Paul said that he and his co-laborers, his friends, are not to lose heart. You know, it's, it, it's interesting to note this, that sometimes as ministers of the gospel, as servants of the Most High God, we become tired in it. Yes, we are human. We become tired in it. But we are never to become tired of it, my God. As a matter of fact, Sometimes we have to take just rest. We have to ask God for supernatural endurance to rest, to give us the peace that surpasses all understanding. But we must never become tired of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must not allow obstacles to become to get between us and our divine assignments. Hallelujah. And our mission is that we are not to let other people discourage us to the point of despair, to the point where we want to quit, to the point of where we want to doubt that God has called us into this marvelous work to display his marvelous light, my God. Hallelujah. And people of God, there's almost no job that is really just so easy that we're going to have some difficulties. But I don't see this as a job. I see it as a lifelong commitment. And despite the difficulties that come with our work, 
We keep God, we keep going because God has entrusted us with it. My God. And in uh in, 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 in verse two, uh Paul adds, My God, that well in verse one he says that he asks that we refuse to to even cut corners or to act without integrity. That's in verse two. My God. He talks to us about how this glorious covenant, my God, should be presented. And he says, since we have this ministry, and we do have this ministry, you all, we have, as we have received mercy, it's by God's mercy. We are not to forget that. It is because of his mercy that we never lose heart. Hallelujah. And he goes on to say that we have renounced the hidden things of shame that we don't walk in craftiness, nor hammer the word of God deceitfully. That is so important because, regrettably, unfortunately, there are some people that try to use the word of God for personal gain to, uh, uh, to enlighten themselves for hidden agendas or uh, uh, personal reasons. But we do so by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's what the words say. And since we have this ministry, we know that we won't lose heart. We ask God to give us staying power, to give us supernatural endurance, to find us faithful to the ministry of, of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He says, Paul said, he preaches this gospel boldly. Oh, Lord, when we really realize, as Paul did, the greatness of the calling of teaching and preaching and living the word of God, it gives us the heart to face even the most difficult times of our lives. Hallelujah. And, you know, when we lose heart, I will attribute that to not realizing how great a calling God gives us in Christ Jesus. We must always consider how great the calling is. Uh, the Greek word for lose heart means faint-hearted, cowardly. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. And this word in Greek, it has a, a connotation, if you will, of not only having a, a, a losing heart or having a lack of courage or, or being faint-hearted, but it also displays bad behavior and evil conduct. Oh, we know by way of the word of God that we as mouthpiece for God, whether you are an ordained minister, a licensed minister, or just a child of the most high God, who is proclaiming the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, God's word said that we should, we should either speak in God's name, meaning that we should speak it, my God, hallelujah, according to what God gives us. If the Lord does not, has not sent you a place to minister with a message, uh, we should just mind our own business. Hallelujah. But it doesn't really matter what we have to say on our own strength. 
It must be something that God has given us, even if it's, even if it's simply a testimony, even if it's just a, a, a proclamation of the goodness of God, what God has done for you, how God has brought you through. My God, has God has, 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 has taken you out of the marvelous, out of darkness into the marvelous light, how God has transformed your lives, how you have put away childish things, how things you used to do, you don't do no more. My God, how God has given you the strength to resist the tactics of the devil, knowing that he will flee from you. Sometimes all we got to say uh, to someone is be encouraged, be of good, uh, be, be good cheers, my God. Glory to God. We all have something to say on behalf of the Lord because the Bible is full of testimony. And not only is the Bible full of testimony, we are living testimonies. We have seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, my God. And as Paul, he says in the, in the word of God that not only do you not lose heart, because we have received mercy, God, the Apostle Paul says that we are to preach the gospel humbly. My God, he understood fully that his glorious calling to the ministry was not due to his own works, but by mercy. Oh, mercy by its very nature. At the core of mercy, it is undeserved. And then Paul begins uh, to expound on why he preaches, y'all. Hallelujah. He, he, he begins to explain his reason for being personally, passionately committed to preaching. Oh, yes, Paul tells us that in spite of the countless setbacks and the, 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 the disappointment that he refuses to be, my God, deterred. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. It almost becomes repetition. Oh, God, he is not encouraging us to use some type of theological generalization here. He has given us his own testimony as to why he preaches. Hallelujah. And he, that is Paul, was determined that he would do nothing else. My God. So Paul says to us today, why do you preach? Why do you testimony? Why do you, why are you a, a living testimony? Why do you share the good news of Jesus Christ? And I found that Paul was speaking to me, that he's speaking to you. Oh, my God. He, he says, why be a preaching? And he said, a preacher, that is. He said that preaching is God's appointed method of bringing the light of Christ to men and women. Oh, yes, Lord. Uh, it, it was truly an amazement. Oh, it was a mystery to Paul as to why God had called him, of all people, to be a preacher, because he understood that in his unconverted days, the time that he was not a servant of the Most High God, that he was a rootless, a deadly persecutor of the church, my God, he, he was definitely one of the chief enemies against the Christian movable movement, that is. 
But it is remarkable, y'all, get this, of how often people who are the most antagonistic, those who are the the lowest believers, that they, before they are converted, that they are used by God to be champions in the pulpit later on in life. We don't know the time, we don't know the hour, the day, the season, but God will use whomever he chooses. That's why we cannot succumb to people that try to remind us of what we used to be, how low down and dirty we used to be, how sinful we used to be. But people of God, we are born again believers. We are washed in the blood of the of the Lamb. We have been made white, whiter than snow. We have been purged with his sock, my God. We are, oh God, hallelujah, washed clean, y'all, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And with confidence, we can go and invite other protégés, hallelujah, other people, hallelujah, we can empower others confidence and with passion into our Father's arms. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul's go on, and this is so important, that he renounces secret and sinful and shameful ways. We do not have to use deception, nor do we have to distort the word of God. Paul writes in verse 2, he says, in, in contrary, he said, he said, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You must remember that Paul is consciously defending his, uh, his leadership style, his ministry style, because Paul had some opposition, just as we will have opposition. My God. There are people uh, that we may call spiritual peddlers, if you will, uh, 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 and those spiritual peddlers are always looking for a way to distort the word of God. But we keep nothing up our sleeves, y'all. We must speak plainly. We must speak with clarity. We must speak with the unctioning of the Holy Spirit. We must not restrict ourselves to some inner circle of, of, of trying to fit in with non-believers, hallelujah, but we must commend ourselves to every man's conscience. We must not twist our message to please our hearers. We must speak the truth, but it is the truth of God that will set people free, my God, hallelujah. Yes, Paul says we must preach this gospel, we must renounce the hidden things of shame. We must not walk in craftiness, nor handle the word of God deceitfully. We must always preach the gospel honestly. And if there's something about the word of God that we don't understand, we seek, we seek Jesus for understanding and for revelation. I don't know about you, but he's always taking, us to a, he's always taking me to another level of understanding, another level of a new revelation, my God. 
that really does not negate what I was already what has already been revealed, but it just takes it to another level. We must not dilute or adulterate the word of God. That's what the Greek world translates deceitfulness to. It says uh, it means to dilute or or adulterate because you may hear people say, I'm going to proclaim the unadulterated word of God. And that simply means I'm I'm going to uh, expound on the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Paul says that he did not preach a concealed gospel. You know, sometimes we people try to uh, mislead or confuse or, 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 or just get us way out in left field by uh, uh, renouncing the hidden things of, of uh, by, by trying to give us the hidden things of shame. But we must renounce the hidden things of shame. There must not be a corrupted gospel, y'all. If we don't know it, then just don't say it until God give us revelation of what we are to say. We must not operate in craftiness or deceitfulness. Hallelujah. We must not mix the message of Christ with, uh, uh, about, by watering it down to accommodate our audience. But Paul says that we are to preach, my God, in honest gospel. I count it an honor and a privilege, y'all, to be faithful to the ministry of Jesus Christ, not only to be faithful myself, but to call my co-laborers, my friends, my senior pastor, also faithful to this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, he, he kind of summarizes it all if you read Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 6. He, he insists that we are never to act in disgrace or deceptive ways. He says in, in, in closing that the truth of God's word must be spoken openly, and we must invite others to openly con- evaluate their conduct before God. Oh, my God, hallelujah. We understand that there are some who will not be able to believe this truth about this gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that they are blinded by Satan from seeing the light of God's glory in Christ Jesus. But we must also understand that through prayer, my God, by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, that God can prick the heart of those that are lost in darkness to the point that his light will shine into their hearts and that they will begin to understand and let the light of knowing God's glory into their hearts. My God, hallelujah, hallelujah. We wish that all would come to know him in the free pardons of their sins. Oh, God, as we come to a close, we must understand that working in disgracefulness or dishonesty is something that we bind in the name of Jesus. We also know that uh, God can remove the blinders off of non-believers' lives or even backsliders. My God, we know that he can uh, remove the dullness out of their ears so that they can hear the truth and nothing but the truth so that they may be set free. Hallelujah. We must know 
that there's a light that shines through us that will compel the lost to come to know him, my God, and therefore we are to come the highways and the byways, hallelujah, and compel them to come to Christ. We should never grow weary in well-doing, for God said that if we go out and win the, uh, win the soul of one, that's better than hallelujah, than, than winning none at all. My God, <laughs> we must let this knowledge that we know concerning the true and the living God, that it is a Christless treasure, hallelujah, but we know that it's stored in fragile containers of, uh, of, 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 of people, my God, hallelujah. And Paul says this, he said, no matter how difficult your suffering may be in this great work for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you must refuse to quit. Therefore, quitting never becomes an option. He is confident. You see, Paul understands this. Because when we really understand fully that what we're doing here is all temporal, it's temporary. Paul said that he is confident that he will be resurrected after his death and then all his pain on this side of eternity, hallelujah, won't be worth even compared with the glory that will be revealed. As a matter of fact, he said to live with Christ is to, I mean, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said he says it emphatically in First Corinthians verse chapter twenty. I'm sorry, First in Philippians chapter one verse twenty one. He says it and he takes possession of it. He says, "For me to live in Christ, to live is Christ, and to die is gain." But he also said, "People of God," in Romans chapter eight verse eighteen. He says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. Yes, people of God, there is life after this. There is eternal life. We're going to live in eternal glory. And while we are yet here, we must preach and teach this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and we must do so with a faithfulness that is beyond measure. As a matter of fact, beyond the comprehension of people that tell us, you're doing too much in the church. You're doing too much in the ministry. You're spending too much time. When we think of the goodness of, Lord, of the Lord, and all that he has done for us, we can't do anything but shout hallelujah and thank him for allowing us to be faithful, for strengthening us to be faithful to the ministry of Jesus Christ. Yes, therefore, seeing that we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come with the humbleness of heart, God. We come strengthened by your word, Lord. We come thanking you, God. Hallelujah for the opportunity, God, to serve you in spirit and in truth. 
We ask, oh God, that you continue to empower us to the point that we remain faithful to the ministry of Jesus Christ. And yes, life and death does depend on it, Lord. Let us continue to share this gospel with our personal agenda, oh God. Let us speak what thus said the Lord. Hallelujah. Let us speak with clarity and understanding and with optioning of the Holy Spirit, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for this prized possession, O oh Lord, and we will continue to serve you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the believers of God, just say amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening in to today's message. We hope that this service blessed your life. Please come back and join us again next time. Have a great day. God bless.